Hello and welcome to Tope Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. My name is William James Anderson. I noticed that on your passport today, you left your passport out and had a sneaky look. I was hoping it was going to be a bit older than it was, so I could see like Fat Will or Goth Will or some kind of photo. No, my last passport had a photo of me that looked like, well, what I thought looked like Eddie Vedder. Oh, really? Yeah, so I had a bit of a fat head, but this was uni years, so I wasn't like fat like I used to be. And... Um, and I had long hair though, like shoulder length, and my hair goes really curly, as you commented upon yesterday. Yeah. When I came back from the hairdresser, and you were like, "Did you get a perm?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your hair did look noticeably wavier. It was, it's like yeah. in The Simpsons when they want to beautify Lisa Simpson, so the tips of her hair just got a little wave in them. That's what you looked like. That is what my hair looks like if I don't put any shit in it. Yeah, right. Like I have to put all this rubbish in my hair every day to stop it from fucking curling all over the shop because it doesn't curl in a good way. Did people tease you at primary school that thing of, um, oh, you eat your crusts or something? That's how you get curls in your hair? Yeah, I never knew though, because like, if you went from different area to different area, it would be if you ate your crusts, you'd get curly hair. Yeah. And in some other areas, it'd be if you didn't eat your crusts. Yeah, yeah, that's, why, get... that, that's why I was a bit uncertain. When like, was, everyone knew it was around the crusts. Yeah. Everyone knew the crusts were the issue. The crusts hold the secret <laughs> yeah. to but, hair social acceptability. But people were like, well, are you pro crust or anti crust? <laughs> Hey, you are the anti-crust. <laughs> a kid Man. comes with no hair, he's the anti-crust. Because his hair doesn't curl or straighten. <laughs> you are the anti-crust. Charlie Brown must have been the anti-crust. Yeah, right. <laughs> and apparently he'd probably be gluten intolerant. Right, so he wouldn't be able to eat any wheat or bread. Yeah, so he right. wouldn't actually have crust. No. In his life. No. Yeah, maybe there's There a are t- people like that. LA is filled with people who don't have carbohydrates in their lives. So. Yeah. Any of them could be the antichrist. <laughs> we should go on a mission just running up to people who are gluten intolerant and ask for substitutes in cafes and just like grab their head and go, are you the antichrist? <laughs> That'd be a great premise for a film. A serial, a serial killer who's deranged and, 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 and sees people who don't eat carbohydrates as like the antichrist. Yeah. And he must wipe out all antichrists. Yeah, totally. That's well, I, I mean, I know it comes up quite often on this podcast, yeah. but maybe it's just a, a advice that he could take. Um, that's an Adam Sandler film. Like, no, he should just. No, no, no. I was thinking more as like a, it's like a, a step down from David Fincher. Like, it's kind of that oh. sort of like a dark seven type thriller. Yeah. But right. rather, but, but it wouldn't be as good as David Fincher. It'd be more like, it'd probably star like Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Or Would it be like Dexter quality or not even, not that, even good? that good? I'm thinking right. much more exploitative. Oh, right. So it's just like a guy, you know. It's like The story's about like a cop who's, whose daughter has died and his wife's left him. Yeah. And he's got one case to crack that could, you know, redeem him in the eyes of everyone. And it's this serial killer who is out. They don't know why he's killing people. They're just finding all these people around LA who don't eat carbohydrates, like yep. slain in their homes and anti-crust is written. <laughs> On the wall and blood, and so the cop has to, and the yeah. cop is played by Christopher Lambert, yeah. and the, the actual guy, the serial killer, could be played by like I don't know, who's like a B grade bad guy. Would have been like, uh, I don't know. I was, I was gonna say John Lithgow, but he's kind of respected, isn't he? He did Dexter. Yeah. Who's like a B grade bad guy? Who's the guy you get when you can't get the guy, the bad guy from Ghost? Uh, Gary Busey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Gary oh. Busey. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Busey is the Antichrist. No, no, he's the, oh yeah, he's that, <laughs> no, no, no. He is a he's a serial killer out to slay the Antichrist. Oh right. So he's on a mission from Pies. Oh, I see. <laughs> this now that makes sense. <laughs> so who is playing the Antichrist? Well, no, the deranged because Gary Busey as a deranged serial killer oh. perceives people who don't eat carbs as being the yeah. Antichrist, and all right. Antichrist must be wiped out. Okay, so there's no actual. Antichrist. No. We're all antichrist. Yeah, in his well, no, people who don't eat gluten are yeah, antichrist. Yeah, that's right. People right. don't eat carbs. Yeah. So in LA, like LA is filled with people who yeah. you know don't eat carbs. He said so, in LA. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's more antichrist here than yeah. anywhere. <laughs> this is like the hell mouth. Yeah, exactly. Antichrists. <laughs> like you know what it was? I noticed like living here because uh, I quite like a bakery, and I like when I'm at home, I will go to like the, this this beautiful little organic bakery near where I live and I would drive there every day and get coffee and get fresh bread every single day and they have like so many cool breads and there's a dude there who talks to me about the breads and would like get me to try some new one that they really like or whatever and I fucking dig that yeah right and I I came to LA and I was like I wouldn't mind just going to a bakery and getting some 
fresh bread. Yeah. You know, none. Because no one eats fucking carbs in this town. That's why. Oh, yeah, I haven't noticed any bakeries. No bakeries. There's no bakeries anywhere. You can't just walk in. There's no Brumbies or fucking Baker's Delight. Yeah. Those, that shit's everywhere in Australia. You're starting to sound like uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> there are no bakeries, man. <laughs> Have you noticed? He pulls out like a map and there's like red X's all over it. These are places Inglewood where... had seven bakeries last year. Now, none. I, I'm, I don't, it doesn't sound anything like Gary Busey. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. What did Gary Busey sound like? Uh, Utah, give me two. So Gary Busey's like... <laughs> what am I, who am I kidding? Like the best impressionists in the world don't do Gary Busey and I think that I can fucking pull it out. But uh, yeah, you sound like Gary Busey. You're yeah. paranoid about the lack of bakeries. Yeah, so basically that's a great, good twist. Yeah. He can have a whole lot of... Uh, yeah, maps of the places where the bakeries have been disappearing. And he's yeah. seen the pattern. Yeah, that's right. The pattern. Oh, well, <laughs> of course, there's always a pattern in the films, isn't there? Yeah. So he's seen the pattern yeah, that is emerging with all these bakeries. Like there was like obviously a map of America and there was all these like states where there was still quite a lot of bakeries. And as he went like further and further towards LA, the amount of bakeries per person. Shrunk. Yeah, the BPP as he would like. Yeah. Yeah, that was his little measurement. Yeah. It would shrink and shrink and shrink until he's cut, become, he's, Stumbled upon the... The Hellmouth. The Hellmouth. Yeah, that's right. Of no bakeries. The Hellmouth, uh. if God was a pie. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to point that out. In, in God we crust. Ah! <laughs> well, can you use that? Because the anti-crust in God we crust? I don't yeah, know. No, it's the same pun, but we can use it twice. Okay. I mean, I think in the quality of this sort of movie, we can use that twice, can't we? Uh, like it's still like I mean we've got Chris we've got Christopher Lambert I'd, involved. I'd prefer you you found a different pun instead of using God. Say like you know in like Hedgehog we trust you know Chocolate Hedgehog we <laughs> yeah. trust or something like that. All right, any okay. one of those. Like um, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Falafel. No, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> Give me another bakery pun to do with God um, or heaven. <laughs> um, the Father, the Bun, and the Holy Ghost. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you got there, Will. Well done. That, that's awesome. The Father of the Bun and the Holy Toast. Oh! Oh, yeah, there we go. Well. Um, there's nothing for Is it one for Father? No, you, you need Father to establish the... the father, the, the Bun and the Holy Toast. Yeah, the, yeah, otherwise the joke is just... Exactly. It could become too uh, unrecognisable from the thing that you're parodying in the first place. So So Father sets up and, you know, people's expectations in their mind go to the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And then you get like a nice two-beat joke off the back of it. So, yeah. So Gary Busey's character. (laughs) Felt like I was on an episode of Talking Comedy. Like, we we just break down what they were trying to do there, guys. Now, you see, they've created this atmosphere. (laughs) So uh, let's name back Gary Busey's character. Like, does he have a name? It'd be like a pseudonym. Like, the, the cops would have a name for him. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's not like the Antichrist killer. No. That's got to be something else. Like, you know, he'd be called, like, um, the Gingerbread Man or something like that. Oh, yeah, right. What, what, no, you come up with one. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> you come up with one. I'm challenging you. You can't take mine. Um, uh, uh, the Baguette. Well, that's going to have two meanings, a little, doesn't it? The baguette only has one meaning. I don't think anyone has confused baguette like it used it incorrectly because it's impossible. It's just a baguette. Like the gingerbread man suggests, like you know, he's on the run, you know, and he's and he's killing people relating to pastries. Yeah, you can do better than that. You can't. You can't have mine. Mine just sounded. I thought it sounded more like you know, like the Scarlet Pimpernel, like the, the baguette. baguette. Sounds a bit. You know, the cape. The the baguette. In rhyming slang, you could be called a dirty baguette, I think. <laughs> I don't know if that is rhyming slang, yeah. but I don't think you want to call this guy the baguette. Come on, okay. give me another one. The cops, you can see it. So the cops are in their station. They've got, like, all photos stuck up everywhere. They've got, you know, photos from all the cases. And the, and Christopher Lambert, you know, he's there. He's fucking smoking. He's talking to his partner. And they, they, they come up with a name for the guy. When they start to see that there's a pattern, what do they say? Um... We're going to get this guy. He's the gingerbread man. Is that the best one? Is that have I really fucking snooked? Maybe you? you just came up with the best one straight away. Wow. Okay. I never do that. <laughs> I just can't think of anything. Okay. So he's called the gingerbread man. So yeah. the film could be called Gingerbread Man. Yeah. Not to be confused with. I'm sure there's a 
like a John Grisham film called Gingerbread Man. Okay, why why aren't we not calling the the film the Antichrist? Because I think maybe I don't know it gives it away. <laughs> because if the police are trying to discover what the link is between all these killings, yeah, and you call it the Antichrist, people might be led to believe <laughs> they may deduce it. People might see the title of the Antichrist and go, "Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what this is about." <laughs> um, A serial killer <laughs> who kills people who eat carbs. Yeah, that's the first thing that springs to my mind. <laughs> If okay. I see a movie called The Antichrist. Okay, but what I'm saying is... Um, They're like, boring! Can, I've seen that story so many times before. Can the... Uh, no, but what would the cops call him? The Gingerbread Man, but the film's called Antichrist. Yeah. Okay, so settling on that. The cops call him Gingerbread Man, the yeah. film's called Antichrist. Yeah. Okay, what happens in the third act? <laughs> no, the second act. That's the first act. We've okay. established it. So the police are on the hunt for a guy, a deranged serial killer, who we meet in his own scenes. Yeah. Who is killing people, you know, who eat carbs, who don't eat carbs because, you know, he believes in the father, the bun and the holy toast. Yeah. And they told him that he needs to kill people who don't eat carbs. Yeah. So do we drop in an element where maybe the deranged guy isn't so deranged? Do we like put a bit of doubt in the audience's mind? Oh, uh, I think we need... By having like his life, you know, like he gets shot and you think he's dead, but he's actually got like a sandwich in his pocket and the bullets like lodged in the sandwich. Oh, yeah. Like some kind of divine... That's good. And like the big red stain could come on his chest, but it would just be like... Tomato juice. The jam from his sandwich. <laughs> so, yeah, is there some doubt that, you know, maybe he's not deranged? Yeah, I like that. That's good. So how do we do that? you got to contribute something. I feel like I'm writing this script myself. Okay, well... I feel like this is Goodwill Hunting. I'm Matt Damon. You're Matt <laughs> I'm coming up with those ideas and you're like... Well, how's you thinking your idea wouldn't be the best? Um, yeah, that's right. You know, I'm like, don't get me involved in it your my low self-esteem. self-worth issues. <laughs> that's, like, I was here being really supportive. Most people would be like, you know who I'd like a friend? I'd like a friend who listens to my ideas and is supportive and positive about them. I never said I disliked you. Well, I mean, I think you're implying it like I wasn't pulling my weight. I'm you said saying. that I was Ben Affleck to your Matt Damon. <laughs> this was Goodwill Hunting. I think that was disparaging. Is that disparaging to say you are Ben Affleck to Sanzo's Matt Damon? Aren't they both yes. successful guys? Yeah, but one is much more successful than the other. How so? I well. Just, there is, no, hang on, sorry. I'm eating my pretzel and M's. They're, they're equally successful as each other, just in different fields. Yeah, I reckon well, Ben Affleck's probably made more money than Matt Damon. Yeah, but like Matt Damon's heaps cooler and yeah, well-respected. Then I would rather be Matt Damon than Ben Affleck. Plus, Ben Affleck is married to Jennifer... What's her face? Um, well, the face that disturbs you. Yeah, the face. I don't like her face. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon they, I reckon they would... They would that know, would be a bad thing to be in a relationship with if someone. They, if they, if, if they, I didn't like their face. If they both died right now, I think yeah. they'd both be remembered on, on par. No, I think Matt Damon would be remembered more fondly and more critically. And Ben Affleck would be remembered... But as a director, though. Oh, yeah, you know what? He's coming home. Like, you know, you're right. He, he had a good year last year. Yeah. Ben Affleck. All right. Are you going to eat pretzel M&Ms right through this entire podcast? Uh, you, no, I can hear it. I'm trying to eat off, off my <laughs> Yeah, but it's like like I, I was talking and I was like, how long do I have to fucking talk for? Because you're leaning off like your Stevie Wonder in the We Are The World film clip with your head off on this weird angle so you don't crunch into the fucking microphone. But I can still hear you, Will, even though I'm leaning away from the microphone. Yeah, but you're concentrating so much on it making no fucking noise that you're not concentrating on what I'm saying. I am listening. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't respond in a natural way. Maybe I'd I say something every, that was funny. I heard everything. And you, you could said. laugh, but you're over there the fucking very, chomp, chompy, chomp, The very chomp. last thing you said before I went off mic was that Ben Affleck's having a bit of a comeback. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. Well, no, but I was thrown. I might have. <laughs> Stop it. All right, I've got, got, <laughs> got two to go, and then I won't anymore. It's disrespectful to our listening audience. Well, I was eating them off mic until you drew attention to it. Yeah, but you were still, you were disrupting you the did breakfast fine radio. ballet. Are you telling me this... you never ate during breakfast radio? Not while the other person was talking. Really? Although Adam used to watch the soccer over my shoulder. He would come in and he would position the television. 
behind my shoulder. Better than just in front of your face. <laughs> and yeah, but he honestly, so it was like basically, so it looked like his eye line was pretty much looking at me. And then he put the, the soccer on because it was on early mornings, you know, on the television. And he'd watch it over my shoulder. Occasionally, I think he was getting excited about something that I was saying, but it was just somebody was going to score a goal. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, no, I, I like to give the other person my full attention, Charlie. Okay. Yeah. Well, now that you've like... In this fear of the mind. Five minute diversion. Ben Affleck, did you want to make that point up? No. No. Oh, well, no, I just thought that it was, you know, you, you were making fun of me when you said I was the Ben Affleck of this <clears throat> screenwriting no, I process. Was, I was. <laughs> I was. I think, I'll, I think, I'll admit something. I else. think that point's been proved. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there's some sort of contact. With, between the two of them. Between the cop and the killer. Yeah, between the cop and the killer. And, and the antichrist killer. Okay. Yeah. What's the contact? Don't know. Does he start leaving clues or something for the cops? You know, is there some sort of mind game? Some sort of, yeah. you know, sort of battle of wits? Is he impressed by, you know, some of the okay. cops you know, that are on the case and wants to, you know, kind of taunt them but give them clues and play the game with you, them? You know what it is? He does a bit of research. The yeah. killer does a bit of research or finds the cop's wallet. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a shootout and a chase and the killer drops his wallet. But um, no, no, the cop drops his wallet and the killer comes back and gets it. And he, so he gets the detective's name. Yeah. And he starts researching the detective. And he sees that like in this, um, this detective is transferred from a, a previous station. Yeah. And the reason he got transferred is that he never did any work. He just used to eat donuts all Brilliant. the time. Brilliant. Right? So I was the, I was actually going to say that there should be a donut shop soon. Yeah, right. So it's perfect. Yeah, Brilliant. So his uh, wife, because he had such a donut problem, moved yep. him out to LA because she's like, you know, it's ruining yep. your, your job. It's ruining our, our marriage. Yep. Get to LA where well, there's no carbs. So the killer too fat to fight crime. Yeah, yeah. So the killer recognizes that and starts taunting the cop by saying, "Hey." You agree with what I'm doing. You agree with my mission. I know you like yeah. donuts. Yeah. You don't agree with all these people who don't eat carbs. Like, why are you trying to stop me, man? You know what I'm doing? But, you know, he also ties in the crazy religious elements about believing in the Father, the Bun, and the Holy Toast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, that goes without but saying. you know what it's a bit like? Could he lead, leave it some sort of trail of, like, breadcrumbs? <laughs> Like, you know, towards clues and stuff. Donuts. No, he would always leave donuts. Always that's donuts? Because weakness. Right. And then when it gets to, like, the... Th- Could he have a donut where he shaped it? So, he'd like, you'd bite one bite out of, like, a round donut, and then you just get, like, a little donut hole, basically. Yeah. And you could have, like, a um, question mark donut. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, you yeah. make them into... Yeah, yeah, into different shapes. Yeah. Yeah, he could do that, definitely. Yeah. But I think what should happen in the third act... But you know what it's almost like in the line of fire? Right. When you've got John Malkovich. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what I was imagining. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, but not exactly like it. Trademark. So I think <laughs> what should happen is in the third act, the cop gets uh, his badge taken off him. Yeah. Flamberg gets his badge taken off him because the killer sets up, like fills his uh, locker with like half-eaten donuts yeah. and it gets found. Totally. So it gets you know, kicked off the force. Yeah. And then when they have their big showdown in the, in the third act... And they, maybe there's like bags that look like cocaine, but it's like just cinnamon dust. Yeah, cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon sugar. <laughs> it, there'd be a scene where like, you know, the cops bust his locker open and one of them sticks their finger in and goes, cinnamon <laughs> yeah. and sugar. And we found hundreds of thousands in his uh, locker. Hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, bags of hundreds of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon, um, so the cop goes renegade. Yeah. He goes out for his own justice, but yeah. his wife gets kidnapped by Gary Busey. Of course. And then the showdown is in like a donut factory mm. or something. <laughs> like that's what the bad guy has been building underground is yeah. like a black market donut factory. Right. And he's got his wife and, but there's also a huge plate of freshly cooked donuts. And he's like, and Gary Busey's saying to the cop, you've got to choose, you know, like your wife or, or the donuts. And like, you know, it becomes this real sort of battle of, you know, if he, if he saves his wife, he's not only saving her, he's saving himself. Huh. But you don't know because we've seen him have this breakdown with donuts and in flashbacks we see like how much he loved donuts. What if um, like James Bond-esque, uh, the villain had rigged her above like a, a vat of like boiling oil, like the sort of oil that you put donuts in. Yeah, okay. Like she's above that vat. But like equally balanced is a plate of the most delicious donuts 
of all time yeah. because this is what he's discovered obviously he's like he can make these delicious donuts yeah. for some reason this yeah. serial killer yeah. maybe so he, hang on let me just say so the serial killer at this point in the movie has stopped killing people he's just built a gigantic donut factory underground no, can he be this can, can this happen um, uh, he's discovered there's something in people who don't eat carbs that if you drain it it makes the most delicious, and you mix it into your donut mix. It makes these donuts. Ah, yes. That are, so he's using. So he's killing people. Yeah. Who don't believe? Because in his it's mind, like a soylent green meets yeah, yeah. donuts. But thing. It, in his mind, he's not killing people. He's killing no. like sinners, or he's killing. They're like cattle. Yeah. Like when he has these hallucinations, when um, the father, the son, the, the bun, and the holy toast, toast. appear. Yeah. You know, they can say to him, people who don't eat carbs, they're no better than cattle. You know, you can go out and yeah. slay them and use their meat to, you know, uh, praise and honour us or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, so he's rigged up um, their wife over the, the vat of boiling, like, uh, donut. Donut cooking oil. Yeah, cooking oil, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and she's equally balanced by a plate of these most delicious tasting donuts of all time. Right. So the, the cop... He says, you can take one, eat one, and he eats one. And he's like, and oh, my God, wife, this is the most delicious yeah. thing ever. But his wife just wavers a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And then suddenly he's got this moral dilemma of, do I keep eating the most delicious donuts or how many could I eat before yeah. she's still at a time where I could save her? Yeah, yeah. And then that's like it. So he has overcome himself and his love of donuts or versus his love of his wife. Yeah. And so what happens? He eats the donuts. No. No, 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 no that's not right. You know, no, well, what's the big finish? So... You got the bad guy urging him on, yeah, and he's got his wife begging, and he's got like a donut in his hand, yeah, and he's like smelling it, yeah. <laughs> licks a bit of the icing, <laughs> yeah. But then, like, does he throw the donut at the bad guy or something? He's got to do something that is like a definitive. No, I think it's like one of those things where it's like the power, like if you did it with like a bit of yeah, it's it's the power of him moving past the plate of the donuts, like yeah. you know. So he just reaches for his wife. You think yeah. he's going for a donut? Yeah. And he grabs her hand and yanks yeah. her out. And you got some big music that's play, playing that sort of powerful. He's about to make a decision music. Okay. And then the guy's partner from the police force busts in and shoots. Oh, okay. So he saves his wife, but yeah. then the bad guy pulls out a gun on them. And just when you think it's all over, the partner, who we yeah. haven't seen since like the end of the second act, because yeah. he got kicked off the force, she comes busting in and shoots the bad guy. Brilliant. And then we cut to like... Like straight into credits and like a really eighties rock song, like guitar, like the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. Something like that. Yeah, and then and then <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> underwhelmed. No, I'm into that. And then at the end, they oh, you know what? I don't think they're married. They shouldn't be married. They should be like, you know. Engaged, and okay. they've been engaged for way too long, and yeah. you know, blah blah blah. She stuck blah, with him when he had his yeah. donut problem. But if he had to, like, he had to leave, you know, the donut city and come to LA because <laughs> to save their relationship, that's been the through line. Yeah. So at the end, after the credits, we could have like a wedding scene. Yeah. Where they're throwing donuts out to <laughs> <Yeah>. people <laughs> at the end of the wedding, yeah, so, like confetti. Everyone's throwing donuts. But would that be? Would, would he would he be able to go near donuts? Has he conquered his? Addiction? Yeah, that's the thing. He's so he can be around his... donuts now. Yeah, totally. And well, there must be. Do you think? Do you think there's also like a moral? Message Maybe he's eating celery. Should there also be a moral message where people in LA, it's okay to eat carbs again? Should, yeah. Could that be like a wider? So you know what happens? So they're in that factory, right? Yeah. And the bad guy, you know, has got them with a gun, and then the partner comes in and shoots him. And then um, the bad guy, in the last final act, he pulls like a self-destruction switch. Yeah. And so the factory starts to throb and grow and grow. And so they run out. And as it explodes, it rains like fresh, delicious donuts all over LA. And so you cut the people <laughs> like on like treadmills and working out and stuff. And, you know, sitting at cafes eating salad. And all of a sudden, like beautiful, fluffy donuts fall through the sky. And everyone starts eating it. And it's like, you know, you do wide shots of people just like sharing donuts, stuff them in their face. Dancing in the street. Yeah, just rolling in donuts. Celebration carbs, donuts. Carbs are back. Then you cut back to the guy and he kisses his girlfriend. Then you cut to, yeah. is it Antichrist? Brilliant. The Antichrist should sound a bit like, you got the touch. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you got the tart. That's brilliant. You've got the flower. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that'll be a good film. Yeah. So, who would you get to direct it? I was thinking, um, like a, a knockoff David Fincher. I mean, real directors, I'd think it'd be like Russell Mulcahy. 
He directed The Highlander, Razorback. He's yeah. kind of does those really glossy 80s action films with a lot of kind of like fluoro lights and kind of backlit and wind. And He's worked with Lambert before? Yeah. Of so, course, you know. Uh, yeah, Lam- Lambert is to Mulcahy as DiCaprio is to Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. That would really be great. It's like you just get the two of those guys. They're on the project. Yeah. You want Lambert? You've got to have the other fella. Yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> that works. Um, did he ever become a big star at all, Christopher Lambert? Like I, I, I lived with a girl called Vanessa at university who like was a like she she thought he was about you know the hottest. Man yeah, the ants love. pants, the bees knees. I don't know. I guess... Like Highlander, obviously. I think his big breakthrough one... I mean, Highlander, yeah, but his breakthrough one was... He played Tarzan in Greystoke. Right. And that was his first, like... He was a he's a star in France. And then, like, you know, that was his sort of breakthrough film. But then I guess, what did he do, what did he do after that? Fortress? That, seemed, that was a pretty big film, wasn't it? But that's what I mean. There was just a moment there where he could have lit fire, I reckon. He's always too weird looking. He kind of looked like a frog. Oh, no pun intended. I actually was not. <laughs> I was not thinking that. But he, you know, he had it's all right. Just statistically, and... some French people will look like frogs. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean you're a racist. Yeah, that's right. Like just as the most other races, there'd be people who are frog-like in appearance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant. You could be called worse things than a frog, anyway. Never thought that was a particularly mean-spirited. They eat frogs. Yeah, I don't know, but would a Frenchman actually be? Isn't you know? Would they be? Offended? Isn't like calling? Them I think a... French people are easily offended. If you get called skip, yeah, you bloody skip. Are you offended by that? You might no. be offended about being called you know a bloody anything, but not really. No, the ner- the term, term skip isn't offensive. No, I mean you're taking a cute pop culture icon, tried to turn it into sort of a you know insulting racist turn of phrase. I'm a white middle class single man. There is no reason for me to complain about the the lot that life has given me. Yeah. You know, even in situations where there is, you know, unfair discrimination in the, uh, as, a, as opposed to fair discrimination. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, even in the cases where you, you go, oh, well, I am being discriminated against for being a white middle class, you know, private school educated single man. Uh, those occasions are so rare in contrast to the fact that the world is still weighted towards... That person. Yeah. And I had nothing to do with that. That is just an accident of birth. I'm always amazed, like, how quick, like, right-wing commentators are to leap to the defense of, like, if a a black comedian makes fun of white people, you'll always hear, like, the right-wing commentators try to, well, you know, if a white comedian made jokes about black people, there'd be uproar. And I just find that stunning that they can't see why that joke works or why, like, people speak like that and it's not offensive. You know, like if you've been if you've been in the in the ruling class yeah. for a long time, you know, and you have all the advantages in the world, then it's not this. And you make fun of someone who has nothing. It's not the same as someone having nothing making fun of someone who has everything. You know what I mean? Like I, in I, the jaw, in the in the really broad strokes of it. I totally agree with that. That's I think that's the. the I mean, occasionally you'll take a pot shot at, at someone, I guess. But I, I was doing a Chelsea Handler's show. Uh, a little while ago, and uh, the topic was uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, and then there'd been this big article in, in Rolling Stone about Justin Bieber. And I was really just, you know, going back to that point that we've talked about, uh, which is I just don't hate Justin Bieber. No. Like, I mean, you could justify hating him, I guess, in going, well, he's worth millions of dollars, and what does he care about your hatred? But... Um, to me, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just picking on a kid, really, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's it's the same as when people pick on Tom Cruise, you know. And when you actually, like, weigh up what Tom Cruise has actually done to sort of attract people's hatred, it's like the guy always seems polite, very, like, intense. Given, yeah, he's mental. But, you know, he always seems to kind of, like, know people's names and shake hands and, you know, maybe he's a bit intense and he did have that freak out on the couch and, you know, he does follow a religion that's, you know, kind of shadowy. Yeah. But, like, it's not like he's Charlie Sheen. No, no, my, I mean, this is the thing. People, like, are reviled by Tom Cruise. Like, do you imagine what it's like to have to wake up and read all those articles in those gossip magazines about how you're keeping your wife a prisoner and, yeah. like, you know, that she's desperate to leave but you've made her sign some contract in blood yeah. at a witch's coven to get yeah. her to stay? Like, I mean, I can't imagine that it would be... I don't. Well, 
you know what the thing is? Who knows what goes on? Like maybe it is horrible, but maybe it's nothing like what people are speculating. Yeah. My point being that we don't have any evidence and as a like a group group of people we've just gone, he is a fucking nutbag. Yeah. Boo Tom Cruise. Yeah. You are the biggest movie star on the planet, but you know what? You follow a weird religion, boo to you. And I think that is totally unfair if you compare that to Charlie Shane. Yeah. Because we've got nothing but fucking evidence. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Charlie Shane. Just he goes, Do you not have enough evidence? Oh hang on, I'll uh and he rang a, a radio show. Uh, in uh, LA, this sports radio show on ESPN that he listens to mm. while he was off air. Yeah. Um, and uh, he rang them up to complain. And he said, uh, he rang them up to give advice to Lindsay Lowen. Mm. Right. And he said that he, he had to, like, you control your impulses. And, you know... How's lo- that porn house going, Charlie? <laughs> well, what I love about that is it made me look at that in a new light. Because he was all about, no, you just got to have impulse control. Impulse control. And you know what I got out of that? That Charlie Sheen thinks that he has impulse control. Yeah. Can you imagine what he really wants? Yeah. He wants a pile of cocaine so high that you would need a flag and a fucking Sherpa to get to the top of. And he wants like 5,000 hookers living in a house. But he gets like one briefcase of cocaine and like 15 hookers. And he's like, well done, Charlie. Yeah. Impulse control. You held off. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Because he's got all this money and he knows he hasn't got that much time left here on earth if he keeps treating himself this well. He's like, well, how am I going to fucking bang everybody in the world between now and when I die in three or four years? Yeah. He's gone, well, I can't sleep, so I'll need some cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) And then I have to just start, like, banging hookers all the time. And anyway, so my point being that it's nothing but evidence of him shooting his, you know... Uh, girlfriend in the leg and holding strangling it, his other girlfriend yeah, and holding a knife to her throat and, yeah you know it's nothing but all night bin- coke binges with hookers yeah. everybody knows this stuff there's people talking about it all the time Tom Cruise jumped on fucking Oprah's couch yeah like it wasn't like she had the plastic down it wasn't like Oprah can't clean her fucking couch uh-huh. he didn't break the couch yeah he just jumped on it because he was happy and he was in love and yes, he follows Scientology, which I think is probably a bit weird. But you know what? Is it any more there's, or less weird? There's people we know than, who, who are Wiccans, who believe in, in wick, wick, wickery. Mate, there's people I know who believe that 2,000 years ago, a zombie fucking came back to life. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's Scientology was too. All due respect to everyone believing whatever they want to fucking believe. It has, it makes no difference as long as it doesn't intrude in my life. I am very much of that, you know, whatever gets you through the day. How am I to know? Yeah. I'm no great expert. Maybe you're right and I'm wrong. Mm. I just chose what works for me, which is I'm not into it and I'm not interested in it. But but some people just go, okay, well, I'm into you know Jesus and and you know he was this guy and he came back to life and whatever, and then they go, Scientology's weird. Yeah, I'm like, well, I don't think they are much more weird than each other. Well, with your, they're both whatever gets you through the day. With your cursory knowledge of all religions, <laughs> do you think that they all share the same? I mean, you know, from what you know or what you can perceive, do you think they all share the same level of brainwashing in a way? Yeah, but but they're done in different ways. Like, I think the Scientology brainwashing, they've, they've taken a very, well, science-based and, and modern. modern. Like, you know, like, I think that, you know, um, those personality tests and, you know, your fucking oogity-boogity machines and stuff that they put you through. Yeah. Um, or oogity-boogity machines. That's the technical <laughs> That's the technical. Um, uh, that's all just a modern take on, you know, what I guess... Yeah, those same rituals in other religions would be, you know. Yeah, totally. Whether it's the clothing you wear or the, you know, the, your attitude towards sex or electricity or whatever it is that, you know, each religion has developed these sort of myths and rituals. Yeah. About what foods you can eat and on what days of the week you can eat certain foods. And, I mean, that is all just... Well, in the same way that Scientologists use... Why does one God want you not to eat for a month? Yeah. Like, what's that about? Or... Why has one God said, oh, you know what, you can eat fish, or, but uh, you can eat meat all the time, but not on Friday, this one Friday. Don't eat. That's offensive. <laughs> like, none of it makes sense, but if it's what you believe and it's your ritual and your story, then more power to you. But don't go around going, well, theirs needs to make sense. Yeah. You know, like, if yours doesn't. You know what I think you need? 
in a religion is a celebrity. Like, so Scientology of Tom Cruise is their celebrity. Do you think he has been good for the Scientology brand, though? Like, is Tom Cruise, like, you know... Yeah, definitely. I reckon Tom Cruise would have brought in heaps of people. I reckon he would have brought in heaps of people, but I reckon, does he turn off as many people as he bring in? Well, you could say well, you could say the same thing about like Muhammad. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Charlie. Charlie who said that, <laughs> that you could say the same thing. About no, you could, you could argue that Muhammad and the way that some people have interpreted his teachings would be turning as many people off being Muslim as Tom Cruise in Scientology. Back to my point before, I'm saying every religion needs a celebrity. So the Scientologists have Tom Cruise. Christianity has Jesus. Um, Mel Gibson. <laughs> who do you think's bigger? Well, what I was going to say is, who do you think is the biggest celebrity out of all the religious icons? Who, is Jesus a bigger celebrity than Tom Cruise? Yeah, definitely. Is Muhammad a bigger celebrity than Jesus? Uh, celebrity or more well known? Well, bigger celebrity. Like, you know, would more people know Muhammad or know Jesus? In what part of the world? Depends where you're asking well, the I'm question. Well, I'm asking you just to generalize, like, in, in, in terms of world's percentage. It would have to be Buddha, yeah? Or no, probably Krishna. Would be the biggest celebrity. Like yeah, if, I guess so. If there was like a Lakers game in heaven, who's getting courtside? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know what the breakdown of world religions is, but I, I think that Muhammad... would have to be the biggest unified one, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, there's lots of different religions in India, right? Yeah. So I think there's over 200 or something like that. So you'd think that would split the bill, whereas you go to China, which is the next biggest populace, but they're all unified under Buddha. So you'd say... Buddha would have would be known by the most people around the world. And he'd be known quite well known in a lot of Western countries as well, so it'd have to be Buddha. I'd say more people could recognise Buddha than any of the Indian gods or Jesus. Okay, well, look, I'm, I'm happy if it is Buddha. Because I think the Buddhists are pretty, you know... For, for all the religions, if I had to choose one, if it came down to that point where they're like, look, you don't, it doesn't matter which religion you choose, but you've got to choose one. You've got to sign up to one. I think I could possibly be a Buddhist. Yeah. From what little I know about it, I might get to meet the Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. You could learn Kung Fu. That's part of it, isn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kung Fu plays a large role in uh, in uh, in being the a Buddhist. The religion of peace. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind being fat. Like, I, I would quite like a religion where, you know, getting fat is actually, you know, yeah. it's sexy. You look like you're God. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I'm definitely into wearing robes. Yeah. Like, if I could wear robes all the time now, I would. Like, I'm very much one of those people that as soon as everyone decides we can wear moomoos, I'm going to be one of the first people in that. Like, if I can just sleep in the same thing as I walk around in all day, that is oh, brilliant. So, definitely, I could wear... You do? What are you fucking talking about? You don't need robes. I see you in the same tracksuit pants and t-shirt. <laughs> Look, Charlie... That I'm not is... saying you get out of bed and walk straight out the door. That is also true. <laughs> Uh, so what I'm saying you is, I'm almost there. Yeah, you're almost Buddhist. I'm almost in a robe. You're almost equal to God. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I think that's what I was saying. I think we logically argued that was the point. Um, no, so I think I could be a Buddhist. Yeah. Um, are they vegetarian? Yes. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm already vegetarian, so so it, that's good because it feels like I've sacrificed something, but I haven't. Yeah. You know? So, so that's you already good. feel like you're, yeah, you, you're one up. Yeah, but I shouldn't feel like that because of karma, right? Uh, Will that come back and get me? I don't know if pride's a sin. I don't know. Not in Buddhism. It is, it is definitely in fucking Catholicism. Uh, do I get to meditate if I'm a Buddhist? Are they into that shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'd be into meditating. Yeah. Can you listen to your iPod? <laughs> uh, sure can I listen can. to a podcast while I'm meditating? I don't think... Have you have you tried meditating before? No. It's really hard. Is it? Yeah. Is it because you just have to sit there? Yeah. And and kind of... And also let thoughts fall out of your mind. Like, I've, I've done a couple... Can you get stoned? Well... well it'd be pretty easy to meditate think, if yeah, you're stoned. Maybe. I don't know. I find I have more thoughts when I'm stoned, though. Yeah, but I could... I, I think I could clear my mind. Yeah, I don't know. I've tried it a couple of times. I've gone to a, a few classes... Well, I got hypnotized once and that made me fall asleep. Right. And that was kind of like a guided meditation where she was like, you know, you're in a forest. Comes a Why bear. are you in a forest? Uh, Why is it always a fucking forest? Nature. When was the last time you were in a fucking forest? About three weeks ago. They'll get to a, oh, really? a music video, yeah. Oh, okay. A short film. I yeah, get a forest right. quite a bit. <laughs> okay, again. Because you know why? Forests are the place that people set dreams 
and music videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Because <laughs> music videos are essentially just people's dreams. Yeah. Yeah, set to music. So That's right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't go to forests. No. So that wouldn't be good for me. And, and we- there will be a point where there's no forest left in the world and they will have to fucking come up with different stuff for meditation. They also say beach. You can always go to a beach. All right. I go to the beach. I like that. What's your, that's, ha- that's what's my your, happy, ha- what's your happy place? Sir? A beach. So when you like try and relax, you know. I must admit that I I do feel most relaxed and most comfortable around the water. Yeah. Like I'm a person who's naturally drawn to that. I mean, I live by the water, yeah. you know, at at home and and like I think when, the reason I never left Sydney was because I could do my job. Like because I love Melbourne so much. Like it's like I really just there's just so much about that city that I just feel is like you know part of my fucking just upbringing but when i moved to sydney just to be able to be near the water and like work in the city and whatever i loved it yeah i like yeah i'm the same i mean when i first moved to sydney from melbourne i had no idea i I thought i grew up thinking i grew up by the beach in melbourne in hellwood (laughs) and then i got to a beach and then your fucking mind's blown when you go to like queensland and western australia you're like Wow, Adelaide not so much, but I went to this land. Uh, no, there were some good beaches in Adelaide too. But <laughs> I um I went to this place um off Hamilton Island. Where it's the all white beach. Yeah, have you have you heard of this place? No. Yeah, right. So only white people are allowed to go there. So it's really nice and clean. And um, <laughs> I just I was just seeing if you were listening to me. <laughs> Did you see the horror on my face? I'm like, he knows. You expect me to cut that out, right? <laughs> you just look distracted. And so I thought, I'm just going to see if he's actually listening to me. <laughs> well, was that an appropriate response? Yeah, it was good. Imagine if rather than doing that, I'd gone, mm. yeah, man, I agree. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say something like that. Yes. This, this is the reason I actually started this podcast. <laughs> I've only wanted to, like do hate speech yeah. about minorities the whole time, but you keep bringing up fucking time travel. <laughs> I just wink at you, pull back my shirt, and you see like a swastika tattooed <laughs> on my chest. Like, All right, man, you didn't tell me. Yeah, you actually spell out what TOFOP secretly means on the, all these, like the P stands for pedophile. That's all I know. Um, oh, yeah, okay, so it's a, a purely white sand beach. So it's it's a, one of the only places it's naturally occurred in the entire world. And this band, this uh, whole, entire beach is pure white sand, and you can only get out there on a like a ferry from uh, Hamilton Island. And I was just like, it's like a fantasy island, like an island that you would, you know. Have a fantasy at? Yeah. So that's where you go, the beach. Yeah, the beach. What Uh, about you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually, because I listen to a couple of hypnosis tapes when I go to sleep, like sometimes to relax, like relaxation tapes, I guess they're called. Really? Yeah, where it's just like, you are now about to experience relaxation. And it's sort of, they lull you with this like, like repeated sort of piano, music, mm. gentle, like massage music. Yeah. And my, then they say, my natural uh, suspicion of authority figures yeah. would be like, you won't tell me what to do. You prick. Yeah. It's sometimes it's a bit like that. Like you do. Ta- and, and what do you have? Earbuds in earbuds. Yeah. And so what's the well, idea? Sometimes Will you fall asleep while you're listening to it? And then, well, this is the then thing. I, don't you have earbuds in? And that's some of them hurts. Well, so you can listen to it on your iPhone. You just play through the speaker as well. Yeah, but what about if you're in bed with someone? Yeah, Gemma and I listen to it together. You guys will fall asleep together listening to your fucking hypnosis tape off your iPhone. Why is that Isn't weird? that just... Why is, you, that, why is that weird? Can you imagine 20 years ago if you told somebody, oh, you know what we like to do? We get our iPhone... And, we, and they're like, what? <laughs> and then we put it in the middle of our bed. What? And uh, yeah, anyway, I think that's weird. But no, it's not what? weird. But how did you bring it up? Did you both have trouble relaxing? Or uh, I've, I've listened to them since I was a kid. My mum used to listen to them. So I've always listened to relaxation tapes. Really? You've never done it? No. Oh, it's so good, man. Like if you are sort of stressed out and you need to take your mind off something, they can be really, really good. They... They only work for a short while because once you become used to it and expecting, knowing what they're about to say, like your mind starts to wander. But the whole thing is they get you to focus on their voice as they count you down. You've been hypnotized before. You know what I have. About. Well, it's no different to that. Well, except they don't make you stand up and with your, <laughs> your dick's missing. Or... <laughs> In the middle of the night, you're just going around your bedroom pretending to be a chicken. You have no idea. <laughs> Um, I no, but I just think the whole process of having like think headphones on my thing and listening to something 
I wouldn't be into that. I don't think that would help me sleep. Yeah. I like quiet when I'm going to sleep. Quiet and dark. Yeah, I mean... It's... I'm crazy like that. When I like to sleep, I enjoy both quiet and dark. Fucking renegade. I know. <laughs> it's like Rage Against the Machine wrote a song about you. It's yeah. such a revolutionary idea. You know, he sleeps with the lights out. <laughs> Ducked up in bed. Will Anderson. See, he likes the noise to be minimal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't stop us now, no matter how hard you try. What's that song? <laughs> the Renegades of Funk. You know where they start naming, like, Martin Luther King was a renegade. Malcolm X. Will Anderson. He liked to sleep in the dark. Tucked up in his bed. <laughs> Glass of warm milk after a nice book that he read. I um, went and saw Rage Against the Machine and uh, to Tom Morello and Zach Della Rocha just do not like each other at all. Did and you it, say you're talking about the last big day out, that one? It was on that tour. Yeah. Uh, I, I did see them a couple of times at that big day out, but I went and saw the sideshow as well. Because I'm a really big Rage Against the Machine fan. I think yeah. they're great. And... Uh, they perform one of the most intense concerts I've ever seen in my entire life, but they did not look at each other once for the entire like hour and a half they were on stage. They yeah. just looked forward, never side to side. Must be fucking hard, man. Like if you're in a band like the Pixies or Rage Against the Machine where like so creatively you're so right. Just but work perfectly together. As personalities, you're like, oh, I could fucking kill you. <laughs> that must suck. Like imagine... You know, if you could have fame and fortune, if you could just put up with this fucking asshole. <laughs> I know. Well, sometimes I do think that that is my mistake because I've done nothing but work with people I've liked over the years. Yeah, you need and more I blame success. it for not being <laughs> not being as successful as I should be. Well, is it, I should start working with people com- I dislike. Isn't it the comedy cliche that every comedy team actually secretly hates each other? Yeah, and I think I think there is a truth to that because I think just after a while it tears you apart. Uh, and sometimes the thing that makes people work together is that they are very different people, you yeah. know? Like, so I, I think there's certainly... Did you ever flirt with the idea of being in a, a partnership? No. No, I, I never did. I, I, I never saw performing. as like I, And I like doing collaborative things, you know? Radio and, and this sort of stuff. I've always enjoyed the collaboration on that and all my TV shows have always been sort of you know, things that have had broader casts and and I really like doing like panel shows and stuff where you're part you know, you're in someone else's yeah. team. But stand up I always saw as just being such a personal experience that like, you know, the thing that really attracted me to stand up was I thought it was the most intimate form of performance you could have. Yeah. Because it was just you standing alone on a stage entertaining, you know, when I first saw it, it was Billy Connolly, like 3,000 people. So he was entertaining 3,000 people for nearly three hours based on nothing but his thoughts, based on nothing but the stories he had to tell and the way he told them. And he held that group of people enthralled, doing something that everybody does for free every fucking day. Mm. He talks. He just talked. And it felt so personal. There was no guitar to get in the way. There was no set to get in the way. There was no, you know, none of that extra stuff. And even if with two people, you know, there's just extra stuff, yeah. you know. But, I, like, I mean, I love watching, you know, comedy troops and comedy duos and stuff. I've really loved some over the years. But Do you sort of become burdened, though, if you're in a comedy group? Like, you can't make decisions, like, life decisions like without having to consult your fucking partner. Like that's the thing. You can't. I mean, Jeremy and I work together, but we also live together. So if I get a job overseas, then she can come with me, you know. Whereas if you're in a partnership and, you know, this guy's got a girlfriend in Sydney and then you want to move to Melbourne, you have to really think about that, you know. Like, well, I can't go. So what you're saying is really that all comedy troops should fuck each other. They should, they should all get in relationships yeah. and it would just be easier. Well, you'd have material too. Yeah. Have there, has there ever been like a guy-girl comedy duo? I guess like uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucy, Lucille Ball. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there has been. A, yeah, over the years. It was, more of a, but it was more of a 50s kind of thing, yeah. It hasn't recently. Um, no, nothing springs to mind. Um, double act. Marianne Fay and old mate uh, on uh, The Comedy Company. Yeah, Ian Stenlake. Ian McFadgen. Oh, who's Ian Stenlake? I don't know. Oh, he's on Sea Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, Ian McFadgen and, and yeah, um, yeah. Marianne Fine. Do you remember that excretable sketch they would have where it was like them in bed and they would bicker? Do you remember that sketch on Comedy Company? Did you ever watch? Comedy? Yeah, they were the yeah the, the married couple who hated each other. I used to love that show. I when love I was a those sketches about married people who hate each other. Uh, Nothing funnier than reminding us that people are in unhappy relationships. Were you? Did you? Were you a fan of Everybody Loves Raymond? Oh, not really. I mean, I, I, look, I I think there's bits of that show. It's one one of those things where if 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 okay, if I had to watch something to fill in time before dinner, and I, my choice was Two and a Half Men or Everybody Loves Raymond. I would definitely go Everybody Loves Raymond every time. I never got it. I always, I always just felt, and it's probably the joke of the the show, the ironic twist, is that they all fucking hated each other. Yeah, they were the worst family ever, and I just, I don't know, something about it just was like I don't want to spend time with these people who hate each other. Mm. They hate each other. I, I feel, I, like I feel like that a lot. Some with that sort of, you know, middle American television. It's just like. Why are we watching these people who just hate each other? Yeah. If you hate each other that much... Don't live together. Don't live together. Yeah. Sometimes I watch comics and, uh, yeah, look, sometimes it's an act. And I've seen people do it beautifully. Like, I mean, Mike Wilmot, who's one of my favourite comedians in the world, does the great sort of angry, grumpy, put-upon husband thing. And it's, like, genius. But I've seen some fucking hacks over the years just do that. I hate my wife because she this and I hate my wife because she does this. And all I think when I see that is, dude, A, if you actually hate your wife that much, fucking leave her and just be happy. Don't worry about losing your material. Don't worry about losing your act. Just leave her and be happy as a person. Or B, if you're bunging her on a bit, how is that working in your relationship? (laughs) What do you do for a living? Oh, I, I make up lies about the person that I love and badmouth her all over the country so we can pay our private school bills. You could know, you could argue that though if you're a comedian. I'm sure a comedian could get away with that. Honey, honey, it's just an act. You know, yeah. it's just an act. I guess so. No, I'm not. And you know what? Like the thing is, I, I didn't even want to sound like I'm making a judgment call there. I'm just saying that as a performer, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I always, because I always think of more than just the act. I think of, you know, the fights you'd have to have at home about your act. Yeah. Like when, it, like when something bad goes on in your relationship, you're suddenly just grabbing a notebook or a tape recorder yeah. and going, oh, this is awesome. I've got a new 20. <laughs> like I look at the kind of dynamics behind it and start to go, how would that practically apply yeah. to their life? You yeah. know, how would their wife be if they came to a gig with all their friends? Because you're, you're, you're suddenly getting quite successful on this act. But then it's just like an hour and a half of like, you know, jokes about your smelly vagina and stuff. Like, how do you go, I'm so proud of him. You know, he bought me a pony. I mean, he's talking about my smelly vagina. But I mean, he bought me a pony. So, I mean, that I just think that that would be weird. Yeah. Hey, um, let's wind it up. Right, do you think the L- do you think the w- smelly vagina moment was the <laughs> That's the, the moment to go out on. <laughs> no, it's just uh, I, I want to stop talking. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, you can check out our website, www.tofop.com for all your TOEFOP needs. Yeah, they're all linked on the website, so that's the easiest place to go to. And a couple of quick plugs. Yep. I'm touring my stand-up show, Man vs. Will, so come and see that. That would be awesome. And uh, Justin Hamilton, our good friend Justin Hamilton, who's guested on this show, has got his own um, podcast. Uh, I don't know all the details, but just type Justin Hamilton in go the to his computer. Website. Yeah, there you go. All right, I am Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. See ya. <laughs>